0: Want to welcome you again to our service. Glad that you're here, and uh, we are in a series we're calling "Breaking Free," and uh, we're going to be uh, wrapping this up next weekend, and uh, then we're going to dive in to the book of Ephesians. And so, I want to encourage you to maybe start thinking about reading that book, reading it through uh, before we get to it. I think it'll really add to uh, to your experience and what you learn. But we're going to continue on our series this morning, and uh, we're going to talk about. Uh, last week we talked about our relationship with unbelievers, and today going to kind of shift our focus inward a little bit and talk about our relationship uh, within the family of God. And whenever I think about the family of God, um, it makes me think of uh, the Warner family, which is, uh, the, they're my in-laws. And I don't know how, about you, how you feel about your in-laws, but I love my in-laws. They're amazing people. I had, um, I had been living in Arizona, I'm going to college, living in a dormitory for four years and I moved up to Portland to go to seminary. So I I moved from a place where I was uh, well-established, had a lot of friends, um, had a home church, moved up here, started going to seminary. I was youth pastoring in a church full of people I didn't know. Um, But Christy and I had been dating uh, for a little bit and she was from uh, the Milwaukee area. And uh, her family just happened to be going to the church that I was youth pastoring at. And uh, so I came up here, and uh, first thing I did was I I met her family, and uh, she's got a a mom and a dad, an older sister and two younger brothers, and so I remember like the day I got up here, and I I went to their house, and I got to meet them all, and I thought, wow, these are really fun people, you know, and and her mom was kind of one of those, you know, oh, well, you might as well stay for dinner, and so, you know, I stayed for dinner and had dinner with them, and just really enjoyed being with them, and then, you know, that evening I needed to go, I had an apartment. And so I needed to go unpack and she said, you know, I already made up a bed for you and I made up the sofa bed for you in the living room, you might as well sleep here tonight, no reason to drive all the way over there and start unpacking, just you know, stay here tonight. And, and uh, so I thought, well then, you know, it's kind of cool, so I, I stayed there that night and then the next day I had to go to um, a, a, a seminar at school, kind of get set up and she said, well come over for dinner tonight, you know, so I went to the apartment, did some unpacking, went over, had some dinner and, uh, and then, you know, kind of, hanging around with the family for a while, and then she said, well, you know, I already made the bed for you, and it'd be rude not to stay in the bed. And so really, literally, for months and months, I had an apartment I was paying rent on, but I would only go there to feed the goldfish, you know, because I would have dinner every night with her family, and uh, it was just... Uh, I don't know, for me it felt like such a privilege to kind of have a family, you know, a home away from home, to have a family with people that were just, that were, they're spiritual, they're fun to be around. I felt an instant connection there. And, um, and then every night, it just got to be this game, every night um, her mom would say at some point, well, I already made up the sofa bed, you know, it was the most uncomfortable bed I'd ever slept in, you know, really uncomfortable, but I slept in it. And the reason I slept in it was because I just loved being with that family. And it was, it was more than worth it. And, and here's what would happen a lot of nights. I'd be, I'd be studying. I'd have a test the next day, a Greek exam or something. And I'd be in my in my room, which was the living room, and on the sofa bed, just kind of reading. And maybe her sister or one of her brothers would come in, and they would start talking. And so I'd just, you know, kind of be listening to them and looking at my Greek and listening to them. And pretty soon, there was a lot of nights where literally I would just fall asleep. I would just like, my head would hit the pillow, and they'd be talking. You know, you ever gone to bed at night with a song playing, and when you wake up, you're thinking you can hear that song in your head? And I would hear like her sister's voice in my head the next morning, because when I fell asleep, it's the last thing I heard. She was just talking about stuff, and, you know, and, and yet I kept I kept staying there every night because it was such a privilege to be a part of that family. It was, it was so much fun. Uh, we, <laughs> I, they set up a closet for me. It was really the entryway closet, but they thought, you know, you should have a little space. And so I bring some clothes over and put them in the closet. And Sometimes I get up in the morning and go, you know, I, think I'm, I think I'll wear a sweater to school today. And I go look in the closet and I'd be like, you know, where's my sweater? And then her brother would come around the corner wearing my sweater. <laughs> or one time her sister came around the corner wearing my sweater. It was just, it was kind of that family. And, you know, it was one of those things where you would just kind of laugh because I love them. And they were just they were fun to be around. Probably for me though, one of the one of the most eye opening experiences to being involved in a family like that was. And it, you know, I look back now and I think, what was I thinking? But one day I was at the, out with her brother, and uh, we were we were just having dinner and. We went by, I think we were at Clogham's Town Center, and there was, used to be LaRogs Jewelers in there, and, and I had gone not too long before that and bought a wedding ring, because I was going to ask Christy to marry me, and I bought the ring, and I put it in safe deposit box, and we're walking by LaRogs and, you know, I'm like, I, we know each other, we trust each other, I could trust him. So I looked, and I said, hey, you see that ring right there? What could I have been thinking? I said, you see that ring? And he's like, yeah, that's a neat ring. And I said, I bought it for your sister. And he was like, you know, Wow. And so anyways, he said, you know, we talked for a few minutes, he says, well, I gotta gotta go. And what I did not know is he went right home, he ran right in Christy's room, who was asleep, turned on the light, jumped on her bed and said, Bob bought a ring, what are you gonna do about it? You know, just like, (laughs) so by the time I asked her, it was like, he'd already asked her for me, I guess. But, you know, those are the things, looking back, those are the things that made it, that just makes it so much fun. Now, that was was 23 years ago. This summer, we were at uh, Gearheart. We were at the beach. It was the 14th year that we've done this, 14 years in a row, where um, uh, my wife's family, uh, her brothers or sisters, all of their families, their kids, um, my family, her mom and dad, we rent a, a huge house in Gearhart and we spend a week there. And every year, there's a few more people there as the families grow. And uh, I, was, I was there. This is the 14th year we've done it. And I remember getting up one morning, And, you know, the schedule is kind of like we all get up in the morning and we have breakfast together and then everyone just kind of hangs around the breakfast table and talks until lunch and then we eat together. And then maybe we go out to the beach for a while or go into town or do something and then we eat together and then no one usually gets up from the table until dessert and then we eat together and then you know sometimes we just I don't know take food to bed with us I'm not sure there's a lot of food involved but I was sitting there one morning um kind of just got up and and uh, I yeah you know, I'm not really a morning person so and they really are and I drug myself out of bed and I'm sitting over on the couch for a minute I'm watching I'm watching my kids play with all their cousins I'm watching uh, all the brothers and sisters talking and and having fun and I just I just thought you know this is so great it's so great to belong to a family like this. It's, it's such a privilege. It's such a blessing. But, but here's one of the things I was really thinking about that day. I thought, you know, the, 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 real, the main blessing that comes from belonging to a family isn't really belonging to it. The blessing doesn't come from, you know, just being born into a family or just marrying into a family or just getting a certificate, congratulations, you're part of this family. Most of the blessings come when we engage in family, doesn't it? When we spend time with family, when we have meals with family, the, the, the benefits for the most part don't come from belonging to a family, they come from engaging, they come from participating. You know, you probably know what I mean, we've, we've all probably seen people we know who belong to a really cool family. You ever known someone who was like, that would be so neat, so awesome to belong to their family, but they don't enjoy it, they don't seem to engage in it, they seem to be detached and you think, wow, they're missing out on so much. Well, you know, the Bible says that when we place our faith in Christ, we become part of the best family of all. We become part of the family of God. And it's a huge family. The family of God uh, consists of believers throughout the ages, uh, past and present and future, and and people who live all over the world. And here's the thing about being in God's family, that the, the blessing from being in God's family does not primarily come from belonging to it, It's not like God, you know, sends you a certificate by email or something, congratulations, you know, and then you can take it to a restaurant and get a discount or something. The benefit comes from engaging in God's family, from participating with God's family. How do we engage in the worldwide family of God? Well, we just connect with the believers that are around us. And the fact that you're here this weekend tells me that to some degree, you're already doing that. But here's a trap. I want to talk about today, and that is, if we're not careful, we can, we can get them in this trap where we just kind of draw this small little circle, and we just say, you know, these eight people, these are my, these are my friends, these are my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I'm comfortable with them, and they're kind of like me, and we, we like the same things, and they're low-maintenance people, you know, and, and they're not very annoying, and so we kind of let those people in, and we close the door, and that's it. And in doing that, we miss so much of the blessing that God has for us. Now, this kind of issue of, of, of cliques developing in the church, of little circles of friends that come to church on the weekend and, you know, the, the jocks sit over there and the musicians sit over there and that, you know, kind of junior high lunchroom kind of thing, that has been around in the church as long as the church has existed. It's not a new thing. In fact, it's, it's always been there. in the very first churches that developed after the, uh, after the ascension of Christ uh, basically, if you've, if you've studied church history, you know that the disciples were all Jews. And, uh, and Jesus himself was a Jew. And, and the disciples, after Christ ascended, they, they spread out and they began to plant churches. And at first, all the believers in these small churches, they were all Jews. They were born into Judaism, they practiced Judaism, and then they became believers in Christ, so they became Christians. And then some, some of the Gentiles, which would probably be most of us, you know, they heard the gospel and, and they wanted to become Christians. But the Jews would say, in order to become a Christian, first you have to become a Jew and all the stuff that goes with it, circumcision and that kind of stuff, and then you can become a Christian. And so what happened was in the early church, in these two groups of people, they They really didn't get along real well. They were uncomfortable around each other. They had very different backgrounds, different values, different traditions. And the the Jews often looked down on the Gentiles as being kind of second-class believers, you know. They weren't born into God's special favor, they would think. And the Gentiles would look across the aisle at some of the Jews and they'd think, wow, those people are so proud and they're really into their rituals. And so a lot of times they wouldn't associate with each other. And they were missing out on so much. So the Apostle Paul addresses this in, uh, in the book of Ephesians. And he just, I think Paul being a Jew, he comes into the church and he sees the Gentiles who are, who are kind of left out. And he sees the attitudes and he wants to address that. And in Ephesians 2, he's speaking to the Gentiles and he says this, he says, for through him, he's talking about Christ, for through him we both, and, and we both, he's talking about the Jews of which he was, he was one. He says, the Jews and you Gentiles, we both, we have access to the Father by one Spirit. What he's pointing to is this. He says, you know, we come to Christ the same way. We come through, you know, we come through Christ to the Father. We receive the Spirit. And, and because of that, we're really all on equal level. They're no first class and second class Christians anymore. And he goes on in verse 19. He says this. So now, you need to understand that you're no longer strangers and foreigners. Some of the Gentiles would come into the church and they'd feel like, well, I don't really, really belong here and I'm kind of a stranger. And he's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're all citizens, along with all of God's holy people. And uh, you are members, he says, of God's family. He says, now you're all equal members of God's family, Jews and Gentiles. It's like, you guys, you need to come across the, the Isle of the road You're all family now. All right, it's time to just let, the, just let that wall break down. And be a family. Men, women, some of the issues you have with each other, it's time to get rid of those. You're all believers in Christ. You're brothers and sisters, rich, middle class, poor. It's time to forget about that stuff. Your brothers and sisters. Don't let those things keep you apart. Young, old, right? We don't need to have these sections. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. It doesn't matter what your, what your age is. Part of what Paul's pointing out is that, that family isn't just about heaven someday. You know, when you think of the family of God, I don't know what you think of. Some people are like, oh, well, you know, someday we'll go to heaven, and it'll be a big potluck in the sky, and we'll all be brothers and sisters and hanging out. And Paul's like, yeah, you know, someday, I don't know about the potluck part, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll all be together in heaven. But family's about right now as well. It's something to be engaged in. In fact, I would say this. Being in God's family, engaging in God's family, is not just a good idea. It's God's will for your life. But again, there's this danger that relationally we can become very exclusive. We just hang out with a few people we're comfortable with. So here's our, here's our big idea for this weekend. and we've got a big idea each weekend for the series, and that's just that God wants His family to get down. I don't mean like get down. I mean like, and we'll explain it in a minute, to get down and to get out. To get down, what I mean is He wants our relationships to go deeper. You know, it can be easy to just kind of get a relationship going with a believer. Maybe you're married to them. Maybe they're in your family or maybe they're in your girl group, and you're like, we're really comfortable we just kind of like things the way they are. God says, but I want you to go deeper. And he also wants us to get out. He wants us to, to invite more and more people into our practical spiritual family life. So I want to start with that second one first. Part of what it means to be in God's family and to really in, enjoy that means I'm, I'm constantly widening the circle of relationships with people that I let inside of my life. Again, it's very easy for us to just go like, well, I'm comfortable with you, 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 and you. And uh, I'm going to let you in, and then I'm going to shut the door. And I hear this a lot, you know, pastor, I just don't really have time for anyone else. In First Thessalonians, it tells us this. Paul writes this, he says, we, we also pray that the Lord will cause you, watch what he says here, that the Lord will cause you to increase... And abound in love. So Paul says, you know, I'm praying for the church that it's not a static thing, that it's a dynamic thing. You're growing more and more in love with each other as time goes by. But notice, not just for each other, he says, and for everyone else, just as we love you. I love the fact that he included that, everyone else. In other words, he says, it's an expanding circle of, of loving relationships, not, not like, well, you come to church this weekend, and the pastor preaches a sermon on fellowship, and then when it's over, we have a great big group hug, you know, and we just all go out from here, you know, and, and we're all close from now on, and that kind of, you know, realistically, it usually happens one person, one couple at a time. Somebody would just say, you know what, I've been meaning to get to know them. I've been meaning to go out and have coffee with them and and do a little life with them. Just one person at a time. Why don't we do that? What is it that keeps us sometimes from expanding our circle? Well, I think there's a lot of things, but as I talk with people, here here are a few things that I hear a lot. Uh, Insecurity is one of them. Um, sometimes people just say, I don't know why that person would even want to be in my circle, you know? So I'm a little intimidated. I'd love to invite them in, but they'll probably say no, and then, I don't know, I'm insecure about that. For some people, it's the opposite. It's like, you know, why would I want to invite them in? I don't really want to associate with them. And of course, that's probably nothing that any of us would want to admit, but there might even be some people in this room that, quite frankly, for all sorts of reasons, you're like, I don't really want to invite them into my circle of of spiritual relationships. Sometimes it's selfishness. Uh, We just don't want to put in the time. We don't want to put in the effort. We we like our life the way it is, and we don't want to make any sacrifices uh, for other people. Sometimes it's just that we have messed up priorities. Sometimes people tell me why I don't have any time for more relationships in my life. But a lot of times that's driven by the fact that we fill our life with so many lesser things that there's no room for the more important things like loving one another. And another one I see sometimes is just intolerance, um, you know, and I, I hate to say it, but I hear this quite often that, you know, there are people in your life, there are people in this room, uh, maybe somebody where you work, a believer or go to school, and quite frankly, they just, they annoy you, you know, they, they, they bug you. And the last thing you really want is to give them an open door into your life. Then you'd have to listen to them and listen to their problems and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if you've noticed this, but God has made a lot of different kinds of people, Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that there are no two people who are exactly the same? God's given us different personalities. You know, God's given us different backgrounds and and different passions and strengths and perspectives. I've had people tell me sometimes, I don't know why God did that, you know? Life would just be so much simpler if everyone was like me. Why does God do that? In fact, the Bible tells us that God has wired us in unique ways. some people have been wired to be very analytical and some people have, are wired just to be very emotional, you know? Anyone in here very analytical? Just really? Yeah, let me ask this. Anyone married to someone who's really analytical? Oh, Sina, there go the hands. Yeah, yeah. And, and here's what's interesting. A lot of times people who are married to really analytical people, is there anyone in here who would say they're primarily an emotional person and they're married to an analytical person? Yeah. And how's that working for you? <laughs> of course you're going to go, it's awesome as you, as you cry, right? It's a, let's, let's, why, why does God do that? Well, I think we know why, because uh, honestly, that makes for a better marriage. It really does. I know it makes for a more annoying marriage, but it, it also can make you stronger. If you noticed? some people are very social. Some people are very, very reserved, and, and there's real clash potential at times when you get two of those people close to each other. Some people are, are thinkers. And some people, they just love to dive into stuff. I always love it when those people marry each other, you know, and they'll be like, well, we need to buy a refrigerator. And he'll be, you know, well, it's probably going to take me a year to do the research, you know. And she's like, hey, look, there's one in the paper right now. Let's just go get that and get it over with. And a lot of times, you know, there's, there's thinkers, doers, there's leaders, and servers. There's teachers. I, I, it's always fun when you have parents and one's a teacher and one's kind of a mercy person. And uh, if, if you're in that marriage, you know why that's funny uh, or not. It's just a, you know, every problem, the, 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 one of them will be, you know, they'll have a three-point outline on how to solve the problem. And the other one will just want to go up and put their arms around the person and go, honey, how are you feeling? And, you know, the other one will be like, why are you asking that? It doesn't matter how they feel. They broke principle two, you know, and that kind of stuff. And you get peacemakers and challengers. But there's, here's the thing, there's a lot of potential for clash. Why has God made us unique? Well, we know why, but in Romans 12, it really lays that out for us. Paul is is writing here about the the family of God. He, He calls it here the body of Christ. He says, just as our bodies have many parts and each has a special function. So Paul says, let me tell you why God did this. Think of your body. Now your body has a lot of different parts to it and every part to your body has a unique function. That's the way it is with with Christ's body, with the family of God. We're all parts of this one body and each of us has different work to do. So there you go. That's why God made us different because we have different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, notice what he says. We belong to each other and each of us, and this is important, each of us what? Needs. Each of us needs all the others. God is uniquely equipped each of us to fulfill his purposes for us. No one person could do all of the kingdom work. So God has kind of uniquely equipped us. Each one of us needs all the others. And and here's one of the things that I've noticed in the family of God, and and that is that oftentimes, because we need each other, but because we're different, oftentimes the relationship that I need the most right now in my life is the one I, I least desire. You know, maybe I need someone in my life right now who's very different from me, who thinks really different from me, who has a very different personality from me, who, who uh, culturally is very different from me or, or has different interests than I do. And I need them in my life because right now I, I need to learn how to become maybe more sensitive to other people. Maybe I'm not, just hypothetically, maybe I'm not sensitive um, a, a person. I'm an analytical person. And so I need someone around me who's sensitive to show me how that's done, or, or maybe someone who can help me develop some spiritual discipline, or maybe someone who needs to come in and challenge me in some sin in my life, or help me to be a better mate, or a parent, or a friend, or whatever it is. In, in Romans 12, as Paul talks about this concept of the body, of people having different gifts, he goes on in verse 10 and he says this, he says, "...be devoted to one another in brotherly love and give preference," to one another in honor. I, I always love this verse because I think of it this way. When he says, be devoted, what he's saying is, if it were easy, I wouldn't have to tell you to do this. If it were easy to just, you know, walk into a room full of believers who are really different from you and just go, wow, I love the fact that that person just jumps into things without thinking. Um, I love the fact that, you know, they're, they're crying all the time. Well, you know, I, it's kind of like, you need to understand... Uh, we need to be devoted to the people around us. It deserves a high priority. It deserves some extra effort, some discipline. In fact, this, this word here, give preference, in the Greek, it literally means to go before another person as a leader, or sometimes they'll translate it as to excel. It's something. In other words, don't, don't just be average here in your relationships. You need to excel. In other words, I think of it this way. Don't, uh, don't just put up with the people around you that are different. Don't just put up with them, but learn to appreciate and to tap into those differences because that's what will make your life so much richer and and so much stronger. You know, I I know that in my own life, God has put a lot of people in my life that are just like me, and I love those people. They're so much fun to be around. Sometimes when we're talking, we both get all worked up, you know, and that's fun. But then some of the people God has put in my life, they're very, very different from me. Any of you met my wife? Anyone know my wife, right? So you know, my wife is, is she just like me? No, no, no. She couldn't be more different from me. She's, and she's great for me she's wonderful she's the kind of person where i'll be like oh yeah honey and i'm gonna teach this weekend i think i'm gonna talk about this and she'll be like you know you probably ought to think about that before you say that out loud or before you do that or you know that kind. she's kind of the person that she'll, she'll kind of pull me back and go i don't know that might be insensitive or that might not help and i, I find that god often speaks to me through her often because we don't think the same we, we don't process things the same and i i need her God's put some other people in my life over the years. Uh, for the last 20 years, I've had a friend named Bruce. He, he and his wife usually come on Saturday night. And, and Bruce and I, we are so different. So it's always fun when we sit down every other week. We get together on Thursday nights for, for dinner, and we just talk about life. And it's, it's so much fun because I can never anticipate. We'll, we'll talk about our marriages, talk about our stuff. Sometimes we'll be like, yeah, you know, I've been, I've been thinking about this. Something happened. I'm thinking about doing this. And, you know, we're to the point now where he'll just kind of look at me and go... He didn't even have to say anything, you know, because we think totally differently. And, and, and usually that's a, that's a clue to me. It helps me. It makes me stronger. It challenges me. Let me ask you this question. Who do you need to make room in your life for right now? Maybe there's someone in your home and you need to make some time for them. Maybe it's someone here in, in church. Maybe it's someone in your small group. You meet together every week, but they're kind of on the outside right now. And you need to invite them in. Maybe it's someone at work. Maybe it's someone who's really different from you. Maybe it's someone who irritates you, you know? And I'll I'll tell you, I've been praying this week that as as we talked about this this morning, I've been praying that the Holy Spirit would put somebody on your heart, somebody on your mind, that uh, you would just, maybe you'd already been thinking about them. Somebody that you need to invite inside. Maybe you need them in your life right now, or maybe they need you right now. Here's one of the great things about that whole thing. I often find that when I reach out to people because I think, you know, they need me uh, in their life right now, I, I find that every time I do that, I reach out and I bring someone in, I find out that usually I needed them, even though I didn't know it, at least as much as they needed me. Because God put somebody on your heart, somebody in your life right now, and they're just, they're on the outside. And you just, you need to just widen your family relationships just a little bit and invite them in. Widen the circle. God wants His family to be, you know, wider, but He wants us to be deeper as well. He wants us to deepen connections with the believers in our lives. And one of my favorite verses is Hebrews 10, 24. is such a great passage. It's a great theme passage for marriage, for parenting, for friendships, for small groups, for churches. Let's read this together. Let us think of ways to stimulate one another to show love and good deeds great, wonderful verse. Let me ask you this question. What's the focus of your major relationships right now? Maybe, at, maybe if you're dating with the person you're dating, what's the focus of your dating relationship right now? Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's a, in your family with your kids. Maybe it's a friendship. You know, what's the focus right now? Is the focus uh, on how you can get what you want out of that relationship? Because often that's the focus, how, how can I get them to talk about what I want to talk about? How, I, how can I get them to do what I want uh, to do? You to know, run the house the way I think the house should be run, or spend our money the way I think we should spend our money, or, or our time the way I think we should spend our time. Instead, notice what Scripture says, what we ought to be thinking about, what we ought to be engaged in, what, what we ought to be scheming about with the people in our life, is how to stimulate them. How we stimulate them to two things, love and action love, and I think just love, meaning love for God and love for people, and and to living out Christ's word in their life. I mean, I just wonder how often do we do that? How often do we sit down with a piece of paper and a a pencil and say, I wonder what I could do today to stimulate my my son, my daughter, to love and good deeds, to stimulate my, my mate? You know, I wonder what I could do to just really encourage faith in her today, I wonder what I could do for my friend. I'm going to my grow group tonight. I wonder what I could do tonight. Great verse. Great thing to think about here in our relationships. Here's the problem, though, of course, and you've probably found this out, that when it comes to, to your relationship with other believers, that encouraging believers is kind of like a, it's a moving target, you know, because things are always changing in other people's lives. In 2 Corinthians, it, it says it this way, Those who become Christians become, notice, new persons. They're not the same anymore, for the old life is gone and a new life has begun. What does it mean to be a Christ follower? It really means two things. It, it means that God has changed us. We've been changed. We, we've been, you know, move, we've moved from darkness to light. We've moved from being enemies of God to being God's children. We've moved from from one destiny to another. We've moved from you know our own dead end purposes to God's purposes for our life. To be a believer means God has changed us. He's 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 given given us a Holy Spirit. He sealed us. All that stuff. But God is also doing an ongoing changing in our life, isn't he? He's, he's changing our character. He's changing our focus. He's, he's changing our, our practices. He's helping us deal with sin in our life. He's changing us. In other words, a Christian, if they're, if they're growing, if they're walking with Christ, they're a perpetually changing person. And of course, there's where the challenge comes in for many of us in our relationship with other believers, and that is that the temptation is when a relationship's working really well, sometimes you just want to freeze it, you know? Have have you you ever been there? Like maybe uh, in, in in your marriage, you reach a point and everything's just clicking, everything's just awesome, and you're like, man, I'd just love to just freeze it right here. Let's just do it like this. Every time from now on, let's go out to dinner every Friday night at McDonald's because that's perfect, you know, or whatever it is that you do. Let's do this every Sunday. Let's do this every Wednesday. Let's just keep it, you know, maybe it's been that way with your kids. You just, you reach this point, you're like, oh, we're in the sweet spot. I just want to keep it like this. Or in a friendship. See, so here's the thing. It's, it's great to rejoice in the past, but you can't live there. You can't live there because you're a growing, moving person towards a Christ-likeness and so are the people around you. I read a quote this summer and it's really stuck with me. This guy said this, the reason we grow apart often is because we don't change together. He said really a lot of times the reason that, that marriages grow apart is because they're not, they're not changing together. The reason families often grow apart, the reason churches often grow apart and friendships grow apart is because people don't decide to change together, to move together in a direction as they grow towards Christ's likeness in 2 corinthians 3 it kind of gives us that same idea and as the spirit of the lord works within us we become more and more like him so we're changing we're moving and we reflect his glory even more and i know that for many people the idea of change in a marriage change in a relationship can be frightening sometimes it can bring out our insecurities what will it mean if this relationship is changing. Will I like the changes? Will it be inconvenient for me? Will, will it change my schedule? Will I have to do some things that I'm not comfortable doing with them? Instead of being intimidated by the change, we should be those who, who encourage it, who embrace it again in Hebrews. It, notice what it says. Let's get engaged in that. Let us think of ways to stimulate one another to show love and good deeds. So I just ask you this question. Are there some people in your life right now that are in your inner circle, you have a relationship with them, but maybe you haven't really been stimulating them. Maybe you haven't really been encouraging them. And and God's telling you this morning, you know what, it's time to get involved in your husband or your wife's spirituality. It's time to start encouraging them. Or maybe with one of your children. Or for some of you who are children who are living at home, maybe it's time for you to think about how you could do that with your parents because they need that too. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's someone in this room right now? Who could you do that with? And as I was thinking about this this week, I, I remember thinking, you know, how, how do you do this? How do you encourage people spiritually, you know? Do you just like give them a big prayer hug or something You know, How do you, how do you help your, your mate grow? And I, so I kind of was going through the scriptures this week, and we're, I'm not going to talk about all this, but on the back of your notes, I just listed... Some practical ways, as I look at Scripture, that Scripture says we we can encourage each other spiritually. Um, One of them, and I know this may not seem spiritual, but it's just spending time together. In fact, I would suggest this is where it starts. When you look at the early church in the book of Acts, and I've I've given you some Scripture there in your notes to look up. um, In Acts, it says these people were getting together every day, spending time together, investing in each other's life. I'm just wondering, you know, maybe there's someone, again, the person you're married to, someone in your home. The place to start is just to start spending some more time with them. You know, maybe you have to make an appointment with them for lunch or or for coffee or whatever it is, or someone you work with. Spending time with them. Some other ways of praying together. Praying together is a great way. And I, again, I know, so I hear this sometimes, especially from guys, from husbands. Sometimes whenever I mention this in a sermon, there's always at least one husband who comes up afterwards and says, you know, I've been thinking about, like, talking to my wife about praying together, but I don't know, it just feels weird. It feels weird, you know? I'm thinking, yeah, that would be weird, wouldn't it? You know, go to your wife and go, maybe we should pray together for the kids or something. That would probably freak her out. She'd be like, what's wrong with you, you know? Uh, Pray together. That's a great way to take a step. Um, Just read the Bible together for those of you who uh, are reading through the Bible this year. Um, Maybe a few days a week you could find another believer, someone in your home and say, hey, can we just read this out loud to each other? Encourage each other. Study the Bible together. Have spiritual conversations. You know, it doesn't have to be rocket science, but it's just interesting to me how we can talk about weather and talk about sports and talk about this and that and the other thing. But how often do we say, you know, I was just reading the Bible this week and here's something I learned and I just want to share it with you or how can I pray for you this week or what's going on in your life? To have spiritual conversations with people, uh, to encourage people spiritually and you know, what I mean by that is when's the last time you saw the person you're married to or one of your kids or someone do something that, you know, spiritually encouraged you and you just said, you know what? That was really cool. Thanks for doing that. Thanks for saying that. Thanks for, you know, I kind of watched you do that, and that's really impressed me. When's the last time you just encouraged someone and said, you're doing good, you're doing well, speaking truthfully? And a lot of times when we think about speaking truthfully, we think, we read this passage and we're like, ooh, this is about saying the really hard things. But again, that may be true, but at times there's really good things we we don't say for all sorts of reasons. What are some things that that you could say? What about forgiving people? Another barrier that can keep us From having deep, meaningful relationships with the people around us. We forgive or we ask for forgiveness. Admitting our sin. Again, sometimes coming up to someone and humbling yourself is a great way to start a conversation, a chance to go deeper. Uh, Focusing on the other person's needs instead of approaching the relationship in a selfish way. Just thinking of yourself as you know what, Christ wants to do something through me today or practicing hospitality, again, opening up your home. Here's the goal. The goal isn't to find, you know, spiritually perfect people around you to invite in. The goal here is like, just look at the people in your life right now and ask yourself, what could I do to encourage them? So in your notes today, here's, here's the deal. I was really praying about this and, and believing that probably every one of us have, we probably have somebody in our life we can invite in or somebody in our life that that we probably just need to go up and say, hey, can we take this a little bit deeper? And uh, we're going to close a little different. We're not going to sing a song at the end. Um, So what we usually do, what we really need to do is fellowship, I think, you know, and encourage one another. So we're going to do something just a little bit different. Um, I'm going to pray, and uh, we're going to throw a video on the screen while we take the offering and all that kind of stuff. And uh, if, if God's spoken to you this morning... Um, if I guess I'd put it this way, maybe this morning as we've been talking, God has brought somebody to your heart, uh, somebody in your mind that's really been an encouragement to you. Maybe they invited you into their circle and it changed your life. Or maybe somebody recently has, has approached you and, and, and encouraged you spiritually and that's meant a lot to you. We're just like to, we're going to do something we never do. We're I'm going to have a mic up here and uh, i'm going to give you a chance to come up and in you know 30 seconds or so just say here's the person and here's what they did for me now i'm just going to explain this to you. we don't do this as a church okay we, i preach a sermon and, and you sit in your seats and and we sing a song and then we all nervously get out of this place okay uh and i don't want to force anyone to doing anything they don't want to do but but here's what i find I'll, I can't tell you how many weekends I walk out of this room, I'm in the foyer, and somebody comes up and says, man, God really spoke to my heart. And as I listen to them, I'm like, oh, man, that's better than anything I said this morning, you know? And, and I wish you guys could hear those stories sometimes. We had uh, a young uh, person stand up last night and, and just thank God for two people that had blessed them. And that was, that was really cool. I walked out afterwards, and I had five people share really cool stories with me, and I wanted to slap them for, you know, not, not, I had one person come up to me afterwards and say, I just couldn't get out of my chair, but they said this, they said, you know what, six months ago, somebody in this church started reaching out to me, and reaching out to me, and, and she said, you know what, they saved my life. They, they have absolutely changed the course of my life, and, uh, and I, you know, again, I was like, well, I wish you would have told everyone that, because that would be very cool. We're going to pray. And we're going to throw the video up, we're going to take the offering, and if you're here this morning and God's just put something it somebody, again, somebody specifically that's encouraged you and, and how they've done that in, a, in, in your relationship. I want to give you a chance, you can just come up during the video, I'm going to be up here, and uh, I'll have a microphone when the video's over. Um, if no one comes up, then we're done, and uh, we can just fellowship on the way out of here. Um, if people are up here sharing and, and God speaks to your heart, you can go ahead and come up while we're sharing and we'll get the mic to you. So let's pray and uh, give this a try. Father, I wanna thank you for uh, bringing us here today. I thank you for, you know, your word to us. I, Father, I, I know even this week as I've been um, studying, it, just no problem, no problem at all thinking about how to apply this to my life. It's been very easy. Um, Father, just, <laughs> I've been so blessed by such a wonderful church family just wonderful, loving people. And uh, Father, I just pray for all of us that we might, even this week, begin to engage in a a deeper level, in a new level, being the family of God here, enjoying the richness and and the blessing and, and being a blessing. And Father, I thank you for the people who have encouraged us, who have invited us into their relational world and that's changed us. Or, or who came to us and said, you know, can I pray for you? Or, or or they've encouraged us somehow. And that's changed our life. That's really made a difference. We thank you for those people. And Father, I pray for each one of us this week. Uh, because coming and, you know, worshiping is awesome. Listening to a message, taking notes is awesome. But it's not the point. The point is that we go out and put your word into practice and so... You know, I pray this week that we'll do exactly that. Thank you so much for your word to us. And thank you for surrounding us by so many loving and caring people. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.